So when we come into 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I realize it's been a couple weeks, and, and even though we had Bible study at Toby and Marsh's last week, and we did do a study in 2 Timothy, I still want to like just go back again, just real quickly, and sort of catch us all up here as to the nature of what's going on in this very personal and profound letter that Paul writes to Timothy. This is a young pastor who is getting discouraged. Uh, He wants to quit. He wants to give up in the ministry. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to him, and he's not pulling any punches. He's telling Timothy, look, Timothy, it's tough. It is tough. And we want to reemphasize that tonight. It's tough being a Christian because we are foreigners, the Bible says, in this world. This world is not our home. We're passing through. And if we're going to serve the Lord in any capacity or stand up for the Lord in any capacity, it's, it's hard, it's difficult. And God doesn't gloss over that. He says, it's going to be difficult. But... Here's what the Bible teaches and what Paul wanted to remind Timothy of. That God's provision for us begins with our inadequacy. When we feel inadequate, God floods in and says, I'll take care, I'll make up the difference, if you will. And that's true even in living in the days in which we live. Which is really what this passage tonight is all about. In this passage, the first nine verses of 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to see a word of challenge from God to us. We're going to see a word of caution from God to us. And we're going to see a word of comfort from God to us. I want to begin with the word of challenge, if you will, in chapter 3, verse 1, where Paul says to Timothy and to us, Understand this that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, a couple things. First of all, the challenge is this. The Bible everywhere teaches that it is important for us as followers of Jesus Christ to understand the times in which we live. In order for us to know what to do, we've got to understand the culture and the times and what we are dealing with in order to know what to do. Now, to illustrate this, we're going to be turning to several scriptures tonight. Keep your finger in 2 Timothy, and first of all, go all the way back to the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles. Way back there. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. I'm sure you read through 1 Chronicles today, probably, right? It's one of those favorite books of yours, right, In, in the Bible. But I want you to see this verse, really, really cool verse out of 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, speaking about the people of Issachar. From Issachar, there were 200 leaders and all their relatives at their command. And here's the part I want you to see. They understood the times and knew what Israel should do. That's what God wants to see in his people today. That's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Timothy, 
Understand this. Understand the times in which you live so that you, as a follower of Christ, will know what to do. You see, that's what made the people of Issachar so special. It was because they were able to comprehend and grasp the times in which they lived in, the challenges, the opposition, the obstacles, the culture, everything that was going on, so that they knew what Israel should be doing. So often as Christians, you know, I hear, I don't know what I should do. Well, that's not where God wants us. God wants us to know the times and to know what we should do. And we'll gain that if we keep growing in the Lord. And then I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. To Luke's Gospel. And that's a little bit easier to find. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, where Jesus talks about knowing the times in which we live as well. Luke, chapter 12. Sorry, my pages are... I broke out a new Bible several weeks ago and I still have some pages that stick together. Luke chapter... Yeah, that, that's why I didn't have my Bibles on. Luke chapter 12, verse 54. I'm going to begin there, but I, I, the, the key is verse 56. But Jesus also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say it once, Luke 12, 54, a rainstorm is coming and it does. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and there is. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but how can you not know how to interpret the present time? God wants his people to know the times that we live in. Why? Not just because he wants us to know the time, because if we understand the time we live in, and what are the unique challenges of those days, then hopefully it will enable us and help us to understand what we need to be doing. And again, that's exactly where Paul comes from in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. God wants his people to be a people of understanding. That's the first challenge here in verse 1. He wants us to be able to put things together, to grasp things. And, and one of the things here specifically is knowing the times in which we live so that we can know what we should do. Now, he uses the phrase, last days. Now, technically, the last days is a phrase that refers to a whole time period between the first coming of Christ, and the second coming of Christ. That's a long period of time, right? All of that in the Bible is considered the last days. You see. So, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus first came. So you can begin, I think, to even realize how close we are to the last of the last days. You see. And, and what the Bible teaches is, in that time period, as we move through human history, things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse until Jesus comes. Hmm. Then again, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that should awaken something in me. I should begin to understand, okay, those are the challenging times I live in, what does then that require of me? Which is why then Paul says, Timothy, do I have to tell you even 2,000 years ago? These are difficult days. 
Now, this word difficult has two shades of meaning that I would like to share with you. The first is this. When you want to understand a word or a phrase in the Bible, one thing you can do to help yourself out in that is to see where else these words are used in the Bible to get an idea. Well, there's only one other time in the New Testament that this Greek word that's translated difficult in the Net Bible is used anywhere else in the New Testament. And the only other place it's used is in Matthew chapter 8. I want to get the reference right here so that you can... In verse 28, not going to turn there tonight, take the time. But in Matthew 8, 28, it is referring to the very story that we talked about on Sunday, the Gadarene demoniac. The person that was inhabited by all these many demons. And in that verse, it is describing that man in Matthew, because you didn't see it in Mark, as extremely violent. In fact, so extremely violent that the Bible says in Matthew that people were afraid to even pass by this guy because he was extremely violent. So again, let's think about that. Do we not live in extremely violent days today? Yeah, we do. And that should not surprise us if we understand the times in which we live. And here's the other thing that that teaches us. Much of this violence that we see in our society and around the world today is demonically fueled and influenced. Now, I'm not saying that human beings are not responsible for their behavior. What I am saying is, based on the Bible, that people open themselves up to some kind of demonic influence in their life and it leads them to commit horrible acts of violence against one another. In fact, right here in our town, just again yesterday, a mother stabbed her five-month-old baby to death in the West Valley. And when they arrested her, she said, I was hearing voices, and I didn't feel like I was in control of my behavior. That says to me, someone who's experienced in That realm, somewhere along the line, that young gal opened herself up to demonic influence and it led to her murdering her own baby. Extremely violent. Violence will always be on the increase. And that's part of why the days will be difficult. We are living in extremely violent times. But the second shade of meaning is this. This root of this word in the Greek language speaks about a reduction of strength in people. In other words, yes, the days are getting more difficult, and we're going to see even more of why that is, but part of what's making the days even more difficult is that people are not as strong as they used to be or as they should be. In other words, so what, what maybe affects them now, what blows up their world, what rocks their world now, is something that maybe a generation ago or two generations ago, people would have been able to handle a little bit better. But because we have strayed away and we now live in a godless society, in a godless world, 
people continue to get spiritually and spiritually weaker, or even to the fact that their soul, their spirit is starving because they never feed their spirit or soul. All they care about is feeding their, their physical being and, and feeding the, the emotion of their life and feeding their flesh, but never feeding their soul and spirit. And therefore, they are bankrupt spiritually. They are in such a weakened condition that when something then comes into their life, they don't know how to handle it. Things become way difficult, even quicker, because of the lack of strength. Which is why Paul even said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The way you and I will be able to navigate the difficult days as even believers in Jesus Christ is one, to be a person of understanding. That's a challenge for us. Understand the times in which we live. And secondly, To be a Christian that is committed to being spiritually strong. To do everything in our life to get strong, to stay strong, and to sustain our spiritual strength. Otherwise, these very difficult days that we live in will even become more overwhelming than they they would. Because it's going to be a challenge even for strong Christians. But weak Christians? Oh my. It's going to be really hard for weak Christians to navigate these difficult days. And so that's why Paul says, Timothy, I know it's hard, but you just got to get strong. You got to be strong and you got to understand the times in which you live. It's not going to get easier. So you, you and I as Christians, just like Timothy, we have two choices. We can either just say, well, I'm done. I'm just going to throw up my hands and give up because it's just too hard. Or I can say, no, you know what? God has called me to live at this time in history. And God has said to me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And all then I have to do is commit myself to being a Christian that concentrates on becoming spiritually strong. And then whatever is happening in the world, whatever is happening in my life, whatever is happening all over the place, I'll be able to at least handle it and rise above the circumstances because of the spiritual strength that is in my life. This is why we so try to encourage people, be part of a church like ours. And then when you do, be faithful. You know, come to Bible study and come to church regularly and get strong and get into Bible study and worship the Lord and get your prayer life going and all these things to make yourself strong so that the difficult days do not get the best of us. Otherwise, we will begin to become very overwhelmed, discouraged, distraught, Uh, very quickly in the world in which we live. Now also, part of the challenge is the character or lack of character of people in the world. And basically, verses 2 through verse 5, again, just remind us we are living in a godless world. Man has now become the measure of all things. Which is why he says, people will be lovers of themselves. That's how he starts. 
because that's where really it all starts. Instead of loving God first and putting him first, they love themselves. Now listen, the Bible teaches we need to, we need to value us. And we need to value other people. But that's not what this word means. It speaks of selfishness. It speaks of self-centeredness. And the Bible says that's the world we're going to live in. Everybody's going to look out for themselves instead of looking out for others. Instead of putting God first. They will love money. They will be boastful. They will be arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, savage, opposed to what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, loving pleasure rather than loving God. And here's the sad thing. They pursue pleasure before God And yet the very pleasure that they pursue never fulfills or satisfies them. Because God teaches in his word, if you want fulfillment and satisfaction, put me first. Make me the priority of your life. And then the things that are pleasureful will truly be pleasureful. But if you prioritize your life with going after pleasure before me then even the things that you go after to please yourself really will never fulfill or satisfy you. And that's the world we live in. Even amongst many professing Christians who seek pleasure more than they seek after God. And then verse 5. Part of the challenge is this. We will live in a world of religion where people will do everything they can to maintain an outward appearance of spirituality. It will be all about appearances. It will be all about perception rather than reality. And then Paul goes on to say, but they will say no, basically, to the power. No spiritual power in their life. None. Why? Because our spiritual power comes from following the Lord and putting Him first in our life and becoming strong spiritually. And these folks, as Paul describes, will be many who will work at maintaining the appearance of being a spiritual person, but inwardly they are bankrupt. There's really no strength there, and there's no spiritual power operating in their lives. I want to be a church, even, where people can experience the power of God. Where people's lives are being transformed and changed by the power of God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God. You see. If, if we are a people of God, then we will be experiencing his power in our lives. That's part of the evidence that we are on the same page with God. And so that's the challenge. The challenge before us in these first few verses is that we need to be a people of understanding. We need to be a people who are strong. We need to be a people who are evidencing the power of God in our lives. Especially to navigate the difficult days in which we live. And then Paul says this. At the end of verse 5, he says, avoid people like this. Wow. 
avoid them. He says, in the word avoid, do not allow either professing Christians or even Christians or anyone in the world to influence you in the wrong way. You have got to deflect their influence, which is the root of this word avoid. In other words, notice what Paul's saying here. Here's the caution. We've we've seen the challenge. Now here's the caution. You and I as believers, especially in the days in which we live, we need to filter everything in our lives. That's really what that means. What I'm saying is this. As we've been talking about in the Gospel of Mark, I need to allow the good to penetrate and get through and really sink down deep into my life. The things that are good for me, I need to let them through that filter and let them be absorbed into my life. But the things that aren't good, the negative influences, I need to filter those out. I need to keep those out of my life. Otherwise, guess what? then I'm just going to end up just like everybody else in the world. You know, I'm going to start becoming a person that seeks after pleasure more than seeking after God. And I'm going to be a person that, you know, puts myself above others and, and loves money and, and is boastful and arrogant and all those things that Paul lists there. If I don't keep the negative influence out... Now, that doesn't mean that we separate ourselves physically from everybody. The Bible clearly teaches that we are to be in the world, just not of the world. And the only way these folks who are living this way are ever going to learn and see that there is another way is by us. They've got to see the distinction and difference that, and the reality that God makes in our lives. And that's why God calls His people to be different, to be distinct, to be holy like Him. So that as people observe our lives and watch, they go, well, it seems like the whole world's going that way, but look at that group of people over there. They're living differently. They're not being swept up into the way everybody else lives. They're they're living a different way. And hopefully, you know, through our consistent lifestyle and, and witness and all of that, they will see something in us then that can draw them eventually to the Savior. Or if they're Christians and just have drifted away from God, hopefully it will bring them back. And allow them to reset their Christian life. Because Paul goes on to say this. In verses 6 and 7. He says, in Ephesus, they were targeting women primarily. Now many of you gals would read these two verses and go, wait a minute. Paul's picking on women here. No, not not really. I know it seems that way, but Paul's actually giving women a backhanded compliment in this way. Even in that society, 
women, generally speaking, were more interested in pursuing spiritual things than the men were. They were more interested in learning things than the men were. But they were also, if you study these verses, they were also easy targets to be influenced by those that weren't godly. Why? Because they had no filter. Why? Because they lacked discernment and spiritual strength, which is exactly what he says. Notice, he says... Some of these that should be avoided insinuate themselves into households, captivate weak, weak, not strong, not spiritually strong. They have no strength who are overwhelmed with sins, led along by various passions. Such women are always seeking instruction, which is good. That's the way it should be. Yet Paul says they're never able to actually arrive at a knowledge of the truth. He says they never get to a place where they land long enough to be taught correctly enough and accurately enough the Word of God to be able to grow strong enough to have spiritual discernment and perception. That's the caution that Paul gives here in these verses. The caution is... We need to deflect the negative influences all around us. We cannot be a healthy Christian if in seeking to let in the good, we also let in the bad. We have got to realize that our lives are like a filtering system. And that we've got to certainly let in the good stuff and again, let it penetrate down to the very depths of our soul. But we've got to keep out the bad stuff. We've got to avoid it. And that, in that way, when we do that long enough, we will grow in our deception, or deception, we will grow in our discernment so that we are not deceived. Because next week, if you just... Go over to verse uh, 13 of chapter 3 for just a moment. You will see that one of the other characteristics of the last days is it's going to be an age of increasing deception. Notice he says in chapter 3, verse 13, evil people and charlatans will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived themselves. How do we, how do we not get deceived? By becoming an person of understanding, a person of spiritual strength and power by allowing the good influences that God places in our lives to come into our life and filtering out the bad. So Paul has given Timothy and us a challenge and he's also given us a caution, but he ends this passage with a comfort. Because in all of this that's happening, it could get a little discouraging. But Paul wants Timothy to understand something. From the very beginning of time, the Bible is even said, there will always be opposition to what God is doing. Always. And if we're living in the last days, the difficult days, could we not expect the opposition to even grow stronger and stronger? The resistance against spiritual things to grow 
greater and greater. So that shouldn't again take us off guard or surprise us, but what it should do is sort of arm us with the kind of attitude and mindset that you and I need to have, not only to be effective Christians, but effective ministers and servants for God. We will face opposition. We will face resistance. And even we're going to talk about Sunday. We will, like Jesus, face rejection. Expect it. But notice what Paul says to Timothy. Verse 8. Just as Yannis and Yambres opposed Moses, and I believe that these two men that Paul are calling out here are two of the magicians that were in Pharaoh's court, that every time Aaron or Moses did some kind of miracle, they would duplicate or counterfeit that miracle up to a point. Now think about that. What does the devil always seek to do with his power? Counterfeit what God does. Moses' staff became a serpent. The magicians of Egypt made wood into serpents by some of their secret magical arts, you see. So, that's why Paul even says to the Corinthians, don't marvel if the ministers of Satan come across like Angels of righteousness. Because doesn't even Satan disguise himself as a minister of righteousness? Whatever. To deceive, to fool. He doesn't come at us as the devil. He comes at us as something good. And that's why our discernment needs to be heightened. And our perceptions and sensitivities spiritually need to be high. Because of the days in which we live. He says, just as Yannis and Yambres opposed Moses, so these people who have warped minds and are disqualified in the faith also oppose the truth. If you're a Christian, you're going to face opposition if you try to live for the Lord. And if you serve God or are attempting to serve God, you will face opposition and resistance. But notice the comforting word that Paul gives in verse 9. But they will not go much further. This is a word of assurance, not of complacency, but of assurance regarding the outcome of those who oppose God, oppose the truth, and oppose His people. Paul says, They will not go much further, for their foolishness will eventually become obvious to everyone, just like it was with Giannis and Yambre. They will not prevail. They will fail. This is the message of God to His people. Yes, you will be opposed. Yes, you will be resisted. Yes, you will face obstacles. But in the end, everyone and everything that opposes God and His kingdom and His church and His people will not prevail. They will fail. And we are to take heart with that. Reminded me as I was meditating on this of the words of Gamaliel in Acts chapter 5, verse 38 and 39, where after the apostles are, you know, beaten and basically told, you don't preach in that name anymore, the name of Jesus. 
that Gamaliel says, guys, guys, leave these people alone. He says, if this movement is of man, it will come to nothing on its own. But if this is of God, you will not be able to stop it. And you will be found fighting against God himself. When you and I are engaged in what we know is of God, yeah, we're going to face opposition. But they're not ultimately going to win. God wins. His church wins. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You win. I win. We ultimately will win. Because nothing that opposes God can ever stand for long. It will fail. Encourage yourself with that. In your life, as you seek to serve the Lord, yes, you will face opposition, but in the end, that opposition will fail. You will win. You will overcome. This principle was so needed by me when I started this church. Because can I tell you, I even had pastors who told me before I started this church, knowing I was, that this church would not last a year and it would fail. I don't think they had this gift of encouragement. And I'll say this to call them out. They also didn't have the gift of discernment. Because if they would have, they would have known that what God was calling me to do was of God wasn't of Jeff. If it would have been of Jeff, it would have failed. It was of God. And if it's of God, it will not fail. God can't stop what's happening here. Or people can't stop what's happening here. What God is doing here cannot be stopped. And the only way you and I will limit what God wants to do here is by our own unbelief. And we're going to talk about that on Sunday. So I hope this passage reminds all of us, yes, we live in difficult days. No doubt about it. God does not try to paint a Pollyannish picture of the world in which we live. Jesus even continued to teach his disciples even 2,000 years ago. If the world hates me, it's going to hate you. If it persecuted me, it's going to persecute you. And next week, we're going to look at a verse where Paul says to Timothy, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's going to happen. That's the reality. But the reality also is That in spite of all the opposition and all the resistance and all the obstacles and everything that's thrown against us, if we're doing the work of God and we're seeking to follow God and love God and live for God, then we cannot be stopped. I think we know the story of Moses and the Exodus, right? Pharaoh and the magicians of Egypt didn't win. God won. God delivered his people in spite of the opposition and resistance and hard-heartedness of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And the same thing is true today. Yes, 
It's hard to be a Christian today. It's hard to stand up for Christ today. It's hard to be a church in this world and try to get people to get engaged with God and experience God and encounter God on a higher level. But folks, we're going to continue to plug away. Because for those who really want this, we'll be here. And it won't be stopped. It can't be stopped. Because what's happening, it's not of men. It's of God. And be encouraged by that. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight for your powerful word. Words that make us strong and powerful. God, I pray tonight that we would all sort of reinvest ourselves into making sure that we are living a life that produces strong Christian spiritual strength within our lives. That we're taking advantage of the opportunities, God, that you give us to be stronger so that we can rise to the occasion of the days in which we live. Yes, these are challenging days, but they're not impossible for followers of Jesus Christ. All things are possible to those who believe in you, God. And I pray tonight that this group of people here at the Oasis would realize that even in these challenging, difficult days that we live, that God can so use us and so be in us that that a movement can be started that cannot be stopped. That a flame, a fire can be lit that cannot be put out. And I pray, God, that that would be happening here. And I believe it is starting. I just pray it continues, God, with people whose hearts are devoted to you. Take this message, God. Use it for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to be back with you. I hope you'll come back next week.